This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Hey parents, Jim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, welcoming you to episode 218 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And today, another great listener question. And this is one I think probably every parent at some point wrestles with, and that has to do with motivation. How do we get our kids motivated to do things that are good and healthy for them? And uh, I'll share the entire question with you here in just a few moments. Uh, but would like to uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Dr. Greg Jantz and the folks up there at the Center of Place of Hope in the Seattle area. Uh, a great organization on so many levels. They've got some inpatient care for those of you going through some really tough stuff and lots of book resources. So if you go to wonderofparenting.com, that's wonderofparenting.com, you'll find a link to the Center of Place of Hope. And um, I hope that you will find, and I trust that you will find some good, helpful resources for you, no matter what the issue is that you're facing in life. And then Michael's got a sponsor for us as well, before we dive into our question. Yes, I want to do our, give our sponsor, and then I want to talk for a moment about Tim's book, um, of a First Man Cave. Men need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged. That's what that uh, uh, anagram or acrostic spells out. It's a partnership between uh, City of Phoenix my Brother's Keeper, Greater Phoenix Urban League, um, and specifically its founder, Marion Hill. Uh, it's a nurturing father's program. And uh, while it's based in Phoenix, it's spreading nationwide and it's available via Zoom and all these modalities, um, you know, for wherever you are. So if you go to wonderofparenting.com, folks, if you're if you're a father or if you know fathers, um, you want some support for fathering, go to wonderofparenting.com and check out uh, man cave there's a pdf there about what man cave does and of course it helps you to access uh marion and man cave so that's our sponsor and then i want to um put in a big plug uh i want i want everybody right now listening to uh <laughs> who has a, a young a young person in their lives to go to amazon or elsewhere tim wright books and uh or even to wonderparenting.com where there's a link to the adventures of Toby Baxter. So this is just recently published by Tim Wright, our famous Tim Wright on this podcast. Uh, it's a wonderful book. It tells the story of this boy who, who ends up in a, a whole other world and has a heroic journey, a heroic quest. Um, and he's mentored and it's coming of age. It's just beautiful. 
So if you know anyone, I mean, I think it's girls and boys, but I, I, I assume mainly it's going to be people who have sons. Uh, look for The Adventures of Toby Baxter by Tim Wright and um, disseminate it freely in your community because it is, <laughs> it, I've read it, I read it like really fast. It was such a great read and I'm an adult. So, uh, well, I appreciate that, Michael. Thank you. Um, so here's our question for today. And uh, what I appreciate about um, uh, over the years now, our listeners have sort of caught on that we need information. And so there's some good stuff in this question that we can tackle today. So here we go. The question is about extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation. I've learned through my own psych classes in college to not give external rewards for such things as grades, reading, etc., because it causes someone who might have been intrinsically motivated to shift to being extrinsically motivated and or lose intrinsic motivation. But my husband wants to offer a reward, such as a toy, to our six-year-old, almost seven, son to continue in martial arts. Our son has tried any and all activities we have offered, basketball, soccer, martial arts, gymnastics, t-ball. He will do it one to two seasons, and when the activity starts getting harder, or if he's not immediately good at it, he wants to quit. Currently, our son is in martial arts, and in a couple weeks, he's going to receive his next colored belt, which is yellow. He has already said that after he gets his yellow belt, he wants to stop going. My husband said he wants to offer our son a toy for every next belt he gets to incentivize him to stay in it and not give up. He sees our son is merely giving up when things start to get hard and he wants to help him push or wants to help push him over the hump. My fear is that giving external rewards for an activity will, uh, one, I know our son would only continue to get the reward, not because he wants to do the activity. And secondly, I don't want him to be resentful later in life because we made him go to activities he didn't want to do. I'm all for encouraging and supporting and pushing to an extent, teaching him not to give up just because things get hard. But I'm also all for letting a kid not do something they don't especially care to keep doing. Ah, I can't imagine that there's a parent listening to this podcast who hasn't wrestled with that in some way, shape, or form. Uh, How do we motivate our kids in ways that are healthy, and uh, at the same time, as she seems to be suggesting here, that are in line with the skills and passions uh, and the sacred work of our child. So, Michael, we are waiting with bated breath Ah, for inspiration and wisdom. Uh, Oh, excuse me. I have to go out now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I so agree with you that everyone has faced this. I know you and I have faced this in raising our kids because there's no parent who doesn't in some way face this. And especially if you have multiple kids, because some kids just genetically, you know, so God given, let's say they are just constantly motivated. And uh, and so this isn't an issue for a parent with that kid, but it is with this other, you know, because and especially if you have three or four kids, at least one of them is going to fit the uh, somewhat less motivated category, we'll say. Okay, so first of all, in terms of um, extrinsic and intrinsic, uh, the the psych classes she's taking, of course, are, are correct that that we want everyone to have intrinsic, uh, right? We want them to have intrinsic motivation. We want that to come from within, but we also have to remember that, that, that everyone has motivation on a spectrum, right? Their, their gene expression includes a spectrum. I was joking about it just now, but it's true. 
all gene expression includes a spectrum of this. And there are certain parts of the brain like basal ganglia, dopamine, caudate nucleus, these parts of the brain that handle motivation. And there are cells in those parts of the brain. You know, I mean, it really is granular. And and everyone's gene expression utilizes those parts of the brain somewhat differently. So, um, so that's number one. Number two, the age matters. So, for instance, you can have a five, six, seven-year-old who doesn't have doesn't appear to have a lot of intrinsic motivation. But then as they get older and they're like nine, 10, 11, and then, oh man, they're really motivated now. Um, so we always, I just want to say these basic things that, that there's a developmental tempo for some of that stuff too, um, for that gene expression and, and, um, for motivation. Okay. So for those two things said, in this case, we have a, a guy who's seven. And, um, to me, I actually think that he has a pretty good amount of motivation. So I don't think this family has to worry because they say he'll do one to two seasons right. of basketball, soccer, martial arts, gymnastics, t-ball. So if he's doing one to two seasons and he's only seven years old, I'm not too worried about his intrinsic motivation. I think he's got it. Um, and he just like he just looks for. So my sense of this guy is he's looking for the thing that's stimulating him and stimulating his motivation at this epoch or moment in his life. So a year ago it was soccer, you know, and now it's, um, uh, martial arts and the parents are keep giving him these opportunities and the school does. So he takes each of these opportunities. He's motivated for as long as this opportunity or this stimulation interests him. And then he wants to play the field and he wants to look at something else. And he's given another opportunity. He's motivated for that. So he's trying life out. He's trying things out. Uh, so I don't think he's unmotivated. Also, he's only seven. So um, I'm actually not worried if he were to give up martial arts, even though, you know, from this podcast that I, m- both my girls were in martial arts for quite a while. I'm real. I love martial arts. I think it's great. Great. But you know, if he gets this um, belt and he does decide to quit um, one thing the parents could do is say, um, uh, okay, you know, and let's revisit it. Let's see if you miss it let's see if you miss the fun of the people there. And if you miss your dojo mentor, et cetera. And if you do, then, you know, you could start it up again in two months. So, so, you know, maybe try letting him have some control and make his own choice. Um, You know, because one good thing about this is he's making his own choices. He's, Mm -hmm. he's choosing and choosing is, you know, that's not a bad thing in the guy. Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created pretty litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, now, if the dad, if the dad wins this argument, let's say, and the dad um, 
or the family says, yeah, we really want him in martial arts. We're going to try this thing of giving him a toy. I don't think that this is going to ruin him in terms of his moving all his intrinsic motivation to external. I don't think it's going to because it's one thing. And, uh, you know, if it stays localized on this one thing, uh, it's not uncommon for a parent like a dad to be so into his kid doing something, you know, that he is pretty common that he says, okay, I'm really into you doing this. So guess what? You're somewhat doing this for me. And, um, and, and I'm going to cop to that honestly and say, I really want you to stay in this. And uh, I have my reasons for it. And so since I want this for you, uh, you know, I'm going to make a deal with you and I'm basically going to bribe you and I'll give you this toy. If that's the way this goes, I think it's okay based on what we know about this child, that I don't think it's going to ruin uh, his internal motivation. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't do it all the time. I, I mm-hmm. would I would say to this family, okay, you've chosen this one thing um, for these other reasons, because the dad really wants it. Um, and maybe he has wisdom here. So uh, do it for this, but, but don't do it for everything, like grades and chores and, you know, some things you just have to do. <laughs> and mm-hmm. as she's hinting, he needs to be motivated to do these things on his own. So keep this to one thing for right now uh, at seven so that he's not, he doesn't sort of get rewired, which is what she's worried about. Uh, what impressed me is that he has tried a number of things and, and yeah. you've referenced this. So uh, he's getting a, a good uh, representation of various opportunities for him. Uh, it's not like he tried one thing and said, that's it. Uh, part of what their concern is, so let's talk about that a little bit, is he seems to give up, bless you, Michael Excuse just me. sneezed. I see, sorry. Uh, um, he seems to give up, that's their interpretation, when things get tough. How are you reading this? Again, you don't know the child, so you know we can't say, well, this is really what's happening. Um, is there another way to interpret what's happening here? Yeah, I, I read that too, and I and I'm having the same impression. I think you're having, which is that that if he stayed with things for one to two seasons, that's like a whole year, um, or more than a year. If he stayed two seasons, you're really talking about a little more than a year. Um, right. So, so I my interpretation is that there's you know that there isn't anything, you know, based on this information, wrong with this kid. Uh, He's seven years old. That he's developing normally, and um, he's playing the field. If if there's something we don't understand here, and there's something else going on, um, then you know, okay, the parents are wiser than us, and then they'll go, well, but but this is a pattern. Um, I mm-hmm. I, however, don't really worry about this pattern, about this being a pattern until the kid is you know like nine, ten, eleven, uh, because at seven. Um, I'm more, I'm more concerned with the big three. I always say to people, these three things to look at is your son, is your child getting appropriate cognitive development, which will probably mean school, you know, is he doing okay there? Uh, Is he getting physical development? Uh, You know, and so that's going to be what he's eating and all that. And it's also going to be the athletics and movement and some relationships with people. He's has friends, right? So that's going to be the social emotional if he's doing fine in those three areas, which are basically the baseline for, you know, a good life, um, then, then I wouldn't worry, you know, that he's, that there's something here that's a deficiency in him um, because he is getting an immense amount of activity, right? 
because he's doing all these sports. So he's getting a lot of physical activity. He's got to be getting the social and social emotional through the sports and through his family. And I, I bet he has some friends and et cetera. And there's a school or even if it's homeschool. Right. And then he's they haven't said anything that there's anything wrong in terms of his follow through on academics and cognitive development. So so my guess is he's doing his schoolwork and he's doing OK. So those those are the three things I ask people to look at for a seven year old. Um, I, I wouldn't be as as worried uh, about him. I'm not as worried about him the way the parents are in this email. Mm-hmm. No, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. Right now, now part of what seems to be happening here is he's he or his parents are trying to find out what's that sweet spot for him. What is he? What is he really passionate about? Some kids seem to find that earlier than others. I want to move a little bit beyond this family now okay. and go to a little bigger picture. Okay. Uh, everything here is sports. Mm. Um, and sometimes we see this, and, and you sort of hinted at it a little bit, but again, we're not talking about this family now. Sometimes parents will sort of impose on their kids what they want their kids to do. Uh, you know, what if this kid doesn't like sports at all? He wishes he was in band or the chess club, Right. Uh, but the parents maybe have a hard time seeing that because they want them to be an athlete. Uh, how do parents sort of, you know, walk through what they want for their kids versus helping their children discover what their passions are? Because that yeah. can be tough sometimes. So right? hard. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Every parent has been through that. You know, you and I who have this podcast and pretend we know things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure we imposed. I know I imposed yeah. on my kids. You know, so uh, yeah. Okay, so so th- there's a middle ground, um, and the middle ground is that that the parents that the that the child understands that the parents have some wisdom, and the parents are putting the child in activities. And giving the child opportunities based on the parents having some wisdom. Um, okay. But when the child resists, you know, then and resists consistently over a period of a month or two, um, you know, so the child tries it out. The child should try it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's good family life. Try it out. I'm giving you this opportunity. Try it out. See if it works for you. But then the child starts to resist. Then the parents, this is the middle ground. Then the parents have to say, huh. Okay. All right. So not for, this is not for my child. It was for me, but not for my child. But now what's the alternative? So rather than the child doing nothing, um, then let's right. talk to our child about what's the alternative. And, and um, I'll give a couple examples to bring this home. One is that I was totally non-athletic as a kid. So I tried things, but I was really bad at them, you know? So, um, uh, uh, so, but I got into other things like chess you know, mm-hmm. and, and later got into debate and, and, uh, I was really into reading of course, and things like that. And so, you know, so my parents could see that I was involved in these other things that were, were more in my sweet spot and I had follow through in those things. And so, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing those things. I'm just not very athletic. And they always tried to bring me back. And I did take some martial arts as a kid and I did play football with my friends and T-ball and these things, but I n- never was good enough for a team. The only team I actually was on was a bowling team in high school. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was so not athletic, um, but I was doing these other things and all right, I'll give another example. Um, uh, piano. So my family loved music. They loved classical music, opera, all of those things. I wasn't a huge fan, but that's what they loved. I was more into my music. But what they said is, you're going to take piano. And 
Uh, of course, I'm now very glad they said that because piano is so good for the math part of the brain. And yes. so piano, I mean music, I said piano, but band and, you know, playing music, it's a whole brain activity. It's really great for brain development. So I'm glad they did. But by the time I was between 11 and 12, I was becoming highly resistant. I did not want to do it. And uh, uh, so so it gradually, finally, they gave up and I quit piano um, with my kids. McGill and I agreed pianos are really good for the brain. So we did it because we knew all the brain research, you know? So we said to our kids, okay, you're playing musical instruments. And so, okay. They went with us on that. They, you know, one played violin, one played piano. Um, but they too at between 11 and 12 um, said, okay, we're done with that. Mm -hmm. And so I've asked them if they regretted giving it up because I regretted giving it up. Yep. Um, when I look back, but what I did is I then went into band. And so I was still doing music and I played French horn through middle school and high school, but my kids, they got into other stuff. They were really into soccer and they took up tennis and they did other things that substituted for piano. Um, uh, so I asked them, you know, and one of them said, you know, I do wish I had continued piano. And the other one said, no, I was done with piano. So I, I think the sweet spot is you give them the opportunities, you set them up to succeed in those opportunities for as long as they are motivated in those opportunities. And then you still push back when they resist. You know, you push back a little for a month or two or whatever it is until you finally get to the point where you say, OK, what's the alternative for you? We'll let you out of this one. What's your alternative? Yeah. That that's what I think works best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my mom was a a keyboard player. She was the organist at our church, hmm. and so we all had piano lessons. And probably every one of us would say we really regret that we dropped them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even though I moved on to trumpet, um, because you don't just pick up your trumpet. At least I didn't and just play. But piano, you know, you can make music uh, with it. And you're right; it was really good for the brain. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly I moved on to other things and I don't necessarily regret now that I'm not a great keyboardist, just wish I could sit down once in a while and do it. Um, so I think the one thing that, that parents are wrestling with more and more, and we've talked about this so many times in this podcast, uh, isn't just motivating our kids. It's the kids who are motivated to do one thing and that's sit on a screen all day long. Oh, right. And, and right. And so how do we, uh, how do you move a kid who's really stimulated and could even be really good at that screen? You know, they could be in the top echelon of whatever video game they're playing, but it's not good for them. Uh, how do we motivate someone who's not motivated to do anything to do something? Oh, oh wait, because they're, they, because the thing they're motivated to do is screens. Right. That's all they want to do. Yeah, they can't get it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, so our hope is that hey, my hope is that people are listening to this. And if you have younger kids that you um, preclude this problem from happening because you don't let them get so connected to screens young. Um, and so that, you, so that you preclude this. Um, and the reason you don't, let them get so connected to screens young is for very, because of what Tim said, because, because the, the screen and what we'll call digital life is so hyper stimulating for the brain that the brain wants only that. Yeah. And by hyper stimulating, you know, we're talking about like video games are hyper stimulating. Um, and then just basic screen time itself 
is actually, in a sense, the opposite. It's very passive. So not video games, not something where the colors are actively moving and everything's moving, but not like not doing any homework on pencil and paper, doing all your homework on a screen. Okay, that in a sense is passive compared to having to use your hand to write, which is mm-hmm. more kinesthetic. Um, so you have the hyperstimulating, which is affecting brain development, uh, like for video games. And then you have, oh, and that will then preclude kids from wanting to do other activities because they are stimulated. The caudate nucleus, all these parts of the brain for motivation are stimulated, but they're hyper stimulated by this one medium which you cannot replicate anywhere else. So, um, you know, it's a unique brain direct medium, the playing of video games in the same way that social media is uniquely brain direct, that darkness, that ugliness, that I don't have enough likes, you know, I'm, I'm a bad person. uh, The world is falling apart. All of that is going directly into the brain and um, is affecting the brain. And, And so are video games. So, uh, so then everything else in life looks mediocre and, and we want to preclude that with our listeners. We want to make sure they're not handing their two-year-olds, their smartphones, you know, to play games on. Don't, please don't do that. They, they can play with objects. They need to be mm-hmm. kinesthetic, no screens yet. And he, all the way through, like this guy's a seven-year-old, no video games for a seven-year-old, no video games, no cell phone, none of that stuff. Everything should be happening out in the world, in relationships, kinesthetically, with blocks, with Legos, with, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and a little bit of, you know, educational on screens, maybe, yeah, to do a little research, maybe, but that's it. And then, of course, family's probably going to watch some TV or a movie. And then you get older, right? We move older and we've talked about this. Okay, then, you know, by nine or 10, you're starting to play some video games, but not on school nights not on school nights. Everything else matters more. And when I gave that list about physical, cognitive, and social, emotional, I didn't give digital, right? Right. That that wasn't on that list because the brain doesn't need digital in order to become a healthy adult brain. Um, uh, so it, it can use digital for educational purposes for some good things. Yes. And to communicate with grandma and grandpa who live far away, of course, face FaceTime, you know, nothing wrong with that stuff, but it doesn't need that to grow. And so you've hit on one of the primary reasons we try to help people preclude this problem um, is because the child will not be motivated anymore by physical activity. Mm-hmm. He, he, I'll say he, cause we said video games, he will not be motivated. He will not be as motivated to do homework and to do well in school. And he will not be as motivated to have friends who are, who are, who have touch attachment and, and, you know, physical relationality, because he'll say, well, I have my relationships interactively inside the video game. Well, yeah, but he's now more likely to be depressed. He's more likely to, you know, we have all the negatives of only having those relationships and isolating the boy from other relationships, which are much more tactile and much better for brain development. So we've got, you know, we've got all three of these are going to be mitigated or erased by this kid who's playing, you know, three, four hours on video games and that we don't want. And if you have a child who is there, so if you have a 12 year old or 13 year old or a nine year old who, who is fitting this situation where he won't do athletics, he won't do anything else. All he'll do are video games. There is only one solution and that is to take it all away. Mm. And he has to go cold Turkey uh, with some counseling help and the family will need family counseling because it'll be a trauma. And, Mm. um, you know, 
and then, uh, but after a month or two, after a month or two, that boy will probably tell these parents, thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you for doing that. But for a month or two, he's going to be angry and run away and, you know, or whatever. It's going to be bad for a month or yep. two. Yeah. Well, I know your book, Saving Our Sons and the Minds of Daughters or Minds of Girls, uh, has uh, some good stuff on this. So both of those books are highly oh, yeah. recommended. Large because sections it, on this. this. This is, I mean, this is not something that a five-minute answer on a podcast is going to help parents with because when right. you do make that decision to cut that cord, uh, there's all kinds of stuff that you want to be thinking through and how to do that. Because it, what you're saying is that screens, video games, have a, 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 a motivator to stay on the screen and yep. it demotivates everything else. Yep. And um, uh, which obviously isn't healthy for our kids. So, um, so Michael, uh, as always, thank you. This is really good thank stuff. You. And thank you to the, uh, the parent who wrote in uh, this question. And uh, we're going to be back with you again next week. I uh, want to encourage you to go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, where you'll find links to our sponsors. And they they both have really good information for you that can be helpful. Uh, we've got links to the various resources that Michael and I have created, uh, uh, the uh, Rites of Passage programs, books, and so on. And then encourage you to go to Wonder of Parenting uh, and, uh, or to do a search for Wonder of Parenting in Facebook, hit the join button, and join that community of over a thousand parents. And you'll have access to people 24-7. Not that we want you on screens 24-7, but you will have access uh, to people from all around the world who are going through what you're going through and some great insights, places to ask questions, and that's on Facebook. Uh, So thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back with you next time. The Wonder of Parenting, a brain science approach to parenting. Have a good week. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big-